Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week's message explores how Jesus dwells with us using Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 21. So it is hard for me to believe, maybe it's hard for you to believe, we're one week away from Christmas Day. Um, hopefully the gifts are wrapped and you've thought a bit about this, but if, if you're not, this is your friendly reminder. It's one week till Christmas Day. Uh, men, time to think of something. Uh, that last second shopping, it's, and now is the time. But Christmas Day is a week away, right? Christmas Day is a week away. I don't know where the time went. Um, in the church, the season of preparation before the day of Christmas is called Advent. It's a season called Advent. And it's a season of, of intentional focus, um, intentional preparation, uh, remembering and celebrating the birth of Jesus. It's also a season where we look forward in hope, and an expectation for the return of Jesus, the promise that Jesus will come again and make all things new. We do both of these things, and we live in this tension between what we know that Christ has been born and what we long for, that Christ will come again. Throughout this Advent season, the invitation here at Centerpoint Church has been to make room, and we want to talk a little bit more about that. We began our series in the beginning, and yeah, that's obvious, we began in the beginning, right? No, I mean in the very beginning. If you weren't with us, I, I'll, I'll take you through a little bit of where we've been. We began our series in the beginning when God created all things. The very beginning of all things. God created, and I need you to remember this, church. I need you to remember this. God created and it was good. That's how creation started. It was good. And God created us, me and you, and it was, it was very good. This is how things kicked off. In the beginning, God was with us, and we were with God. We walked with God in the cool of the garden, and and we were free, and it was good until it wasn't. In our freedom, we chose disobedience. We decided we wanted to be like God. We decided we wanted to be God And this deviation from God's design broke our relationship with God. Sin enslaved our hearts and separated us from God. And sin has created a barrier between us, one that we cannot overcome. We walked our own way. We walked right out of the goodness of the garden. We walked away from God. But here's the good news, church. God will never walk away from us. God called to himself a people And God made promises. And here's the thing about God and his promises. He always keeps his promises. And and we made promises to God. And here's the thing about us. We never keep our promises. We really struggle to keep our promises. Um, God made promises and God dwelt once again with his people. First in this, this tent called a tabernacle that was perfect for this nomadic Israel group of people. Right? They moved around and God moved right with them. And they set up tent wherever they were. And then God dwelt in a temple in the promised land that he had promised his people because God always keeps his promises. God designed a sacrificial system for us to atone for our sin that separated us from God. It was a flicker of hope 
that we might be able to draw close to God again. There was a memory. Now beyond recollection, now it's just like an ache. An ache that we can feel, a continuous, prolonged, dull pain somewhere deep within us. A memory of wholeness. A memory of the goodness and freedom of the garden. A memory of what it was like to walk with God. We can feel the ache, even if we can't name it. We know the emptiness, but we cannot remember the way. What was it like? We cannot recall the memory. It's, it's fuzzy like, like it was a dream. A dream that you can't quite remember. It, it was there. I think it was there. We no longer recognize his face. We start to wonder if any of it um, was real at all. We can't be sure. All we've known in all of our life is separation from God. It seems that it's always been this way. But there's the ache. And the ache is real. The emptiness, that hole in you, that's real. Pain. And Christmas is a time of celebration, but there's a couple of things that come up, yeah? The pain is real. And death. Death is real. And somewhere deep within us, the very fiber of our being screams, this is not the way it's supposed to be. We know it deep down. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. And as our sacrifices piled up to atone for our sin, our sins just piled higher and higher. And it didn't take long to realize. Maybe I hope, hope you realize we can't do this. It's not working and it's not going to work. We're not going to make it. We cannot overcome our sin. There's nothing we can do. No amount of effort we can give. There's nothing we can offer. There are not enough sacrifices to make to atone for our sin, to remove the barrier that we created between us and God. And in our hopelessness, in our desperation, our weary voices strain to whisper, help. We need help. God, please help. We can't do this. We're not going to make it. God, save us. Then Jesus came. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God himself would offer the sacrifice, be the sacrifice, and receive the sacrifice. Jesus, born in obscurity, fully God and fully human, would live a life without sin and give his life for the sin of the whole world. Tearing down the barrier that stood between us and God, bridging the chasm that our sin created on a Roman cross, Jesus died. And three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering the power of sin and death once and for all and forever. And God made his dwelling among us. And God will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus ascended into heaven, but God always keeps his promises, church. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. The Spirit was poured out on all who would believe. God is with us. God dwells within us. I was this guy named Paul. 
Maybe he's new to you. Maybe you know this guy named Paul. He, he wrote several letters of the New Testament. Now, Paul was a man who hated Christ and hated Christ's church. That's how he got started. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus completely transformed his life. Paul became a follower of Jesus, just like you can be a follower of Jesus. And Paul lived into his calling, and his calling was to plant churches and proclaim this good news of the gospel that I just told you about. Paul wrote a letter to one of the, one of the early churches in a city called Ephesus. And, and near the middle of the letter, Paul prays this prayer for the church. He's praying for you. He's praying for us. He's praying for me. And I want to read that prayer with you this morning. A prayer to make room, to apprehend, to understand, to comprehend the fullness of the gift that God has given. I know it's one week till Christmas, but the shopping's been taken care of, church. The gift has been fully given. The invitation is to receive the gift. That Jesus may dwell in your heart. So this prayer is recorded in Ephesians chapter 14. We're going to read Ephesians 14 to 21. You're welcome to follow along in your Bible if you brought one of your preferred electronic device. If that's how you read scripture, the scripture is also going to be on the screen for you as well. But uh, as we go to the word of the Lord, would you pray with me that God would open our hearts to receive the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our single concern. Amen. So this is Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Paul is, is praying with a sense of urgency, but more than that, out of, out of deep desire, even desperation with all his strength, Paul intercedes for you. We see this in the posture of his prayer, reflecting the posture of his heart. Kneeling in prayer is a posture of reverence and readiness to obey. Reverence and readiness to obey. Paul kneels recognizing the presence of a holy God. And the reason that he prays 
is so that you would recognize the presence of a holy God as well. That you would lean in to the fullness of the gift that God has given. Our posture matters. It's a, it's a reflection, a window into our hearts. Sprawled out on the couch, which I was for a party yesterday, is a lot different than sitting upright at your desk, which is different still than, than leaning in and barely blinking. The posture we, we, we approach things with shows the level of engagement in which we're in, engaged with. Our posture matters. It's a reflection of our heart, and our posture reflects our engagement. It reveals our heart. We see this particularly in relationships. The closer the relationship the clearer it is. Body language, posture is like a, a bullhorn and no words are required. So I've been married for almost 19 years. I know when I'm in trouble. Anyone? I know when I'm in trouble. Um, the message is clearly sent and received long before words are exchanged and words are often exchanged. But I know ahead of time it's like a a little message, a, a little heads up to, to go through my Rolodex of things. What is it that I said? Uh, what is it that I did? Or, or better, what is it that I didn't do? I, I'm going to find out in a minute, but it gives me a little time to prepare. Body language says it all, and in those relationships, I think you know what I'm talking about. It's a reflection of the heart. There's maybe something coming for me, or there's maybe something I need to be aware of in me. The more intimate the relationship the more nuanced and detailed the unspoken language of posture is, the shape of the mouth, the movement of the eyelid, slight changes in the jawline, frown lines, wrinkle lines, veins popping. All of them, a course of communication, right? Our body says a lot about what's going on inside of us. The more intimate the relationship, the more clearly we can read the language of the body and see what's going on inside, see the posture of the heart. I believe that that posture is a reflection of the condition of the heart, and I think we experience that in our deepest, closest relationships. I also believe that it works in reverse, that our posture can lead our heart. Our posture can shape our heart, change our heart, open our heart. Our body reveals our heart, but I believe that our body can also bring our heart into alignment. We can choose a posture, and our posture can change our heart. How we show up physically can impact how we engage spiritually and emotionally. And I'm curious this morning, I'm curious in Hayward, and I can't see you, but I know you're there. I'm curious, at home, what does your posture say about your heart? Are you leaning back? Are you leaning in? Are you in a posture of, of reverence and readiness to obey? Have you thought about what that would mean for you? What that would look like for you? Are you in a posture to receive the gift in its fullness? A little shift can make a huge difference. Would you lean in this morning? Would you receive the gift? Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the, the Father. What, what reason? 
Well, Paul goes on to say that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And that sounds awesome. Thanks. And, and what does that mean, really? It sounds great, but what does that actually mean for us? What's your inner being? What is Paul talking about here? Not the organ that pumps blood throughout your body that keeps you alive. That's not the heart he's talking about here. Paul's talking about your heart. The controlling center in which life is comprehended and choices are made. Your heart. Paul is praying that you be strengthened by God's spirit so that you may know, intimately know, Christ's presence and love, that God's power would empower you, that the Spirit would be so powerful within you that the love and presence of Christ would overflow from you, all out of his glorious riches, all out of the gift that Jesus has given. Paul prays, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you are saved. You are set free. You are transformed. This is reality. It's not happening sometime. It's happened. The gift has been given in its fullness. Christ dwells in your heart through faith. That's the promise. If you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the gift is given. All you need to do is accept it. And when you do, Christ dwells in your heart through faith. Not partially, not in installments based on performance. We've tried that for a long time. Sacrificial system, all that stuff. We can talk about that more later. This is not a layaway program, like that gift you shouldn't have bought, can't afford. It's not built on installments. You've got to make payments. This is not how this works. This is not the economy of grace. It's a gift that has been fully given. By the, Spirit works, by the Spirit's work, Christ takes up residence in you. The Greek is really clear about this. It's permanent. He lives here. He doesn't stop by on Sundays. He lives in you. God does not dwell out there. God dwells in here. God dwells in us. There is no dividing wall. Nothing separates us from the love of Jesus. God is with us. This is the hope of the gospel. Paul goes on. He talks about this in other letters that he wrote. Romans 8, 10. But if Christ is in you... Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians, this is what Paul writes. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ, Jesus, is in you? Galatians 2.20, this is my favorite. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live by the body, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Throughout this dwell series, we've invited you to make room. This is not an invitation to clean out your spiritual garage uh, or, or, your, or your spiritual junk drawer, the things where everything hides, you know, the stuff that you just don't deal with. This is not an invitation to clean out your spiritual locker at school or your, your desk or, or your glove box in your car. This is not an invitation to make room or make space in your heart so that Jesus can enter in. Christ dwells among us and in us. Jesus is with you fully, completely, already. The invitation is to make room to see it, to receive it, to apprehend it, to comprehend it, to take hold of it. The gift is fully given. 
We were once separated from God, but no more and never again. Make room in your mind, in your life, to take hold of the gift that is fully given and comprehend the transformation that is yours, is yours in Christ Jesus. Jesus dwells in you. Do you recognize him? Paul prays that, that you, being rooted and established in love, love, lo- love is the wellspring in which we are nourished. Love is the foundation on which we find stability. Christ's love, we are rooted and established. If we are rooted and established in Christ's love, and, and from the experience of Christ's love, we know love. We are transformed and we're able to love. Love is both the source and the goal. Just as Jesus is both the source and the goal. Paul prays that we may have power together with all the saints to grasp how how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul kneels before the Father in a posture of reverence and readiness, imploring, begging, interceding with all his strength that we would, we would grasp, together with all the saints that we would grasp, we'd grip, we'd hold, clasp, clench, understand, comprehend, know, and perceive how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you. I'm desperate to know. I am. And I'm desperate for you to know the love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Make room. Make room to be surprised by God's love. Make make room to be overwhelmed by God's love. Make room to be delighted, to delight in God's love. It's more than we can know. It's beyond our comprehension. It it overflows. It's abundant and it's extravagant and and it, it is to be shared. It overflows and it spills out everywhere. And that's why together with all the saints in the community of faith, in the church, we can experience the love of Christ even more fully because we can experience it in each other. Not to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that it's at work within us. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I'm wondering, did you catch it? It's there again. Don't let these soaring words of doxology pass you by to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work in us. If you are in Christ, Christ is in you. Christ dwells with you. We do not make room for Christ to enter in and share space. Christ does not share space. Jesus has come. The gift has been given, and the gift is so extravagant. It's so overwhelming that it fills every nook and cranny. There's no room for anything else. It overflows uncontrollably. 
Can you see it? Will you grasp and take hold of it? Will you try to comprehend this good news? Will you allow it to transform your inner being, your heart? Will you allow it to define your life? To direct your choices? Will you allow the love of Christ to take control? The greatest obstacle to your transformation is you. The greatest obstacle to my transformation is me. We are one week from Christmas Day. My invitation to you in this week to come is a simple one. Be intentional with your posture. Be intentional with your posture. Take on a posture of reverence and readiness to obey. Maybe that's kneeling before the Father like Paul did. Maybe that's something completely different for you. I don't know. But I think it's doing something different. Take on a posture of reverence and readiness to obey. Grasp. Take hold of the love of Christ who dwells in you and ask. Ask for whatever you need. Ask for that love to overflow. Imagine. Dream. Imagine things that, that aren't, that need to be. Imagine what life looks like fully alive in Christ. Imagine what that would be like if, if the love of Christ just overflowed. Imagine what your relationships would be like if this was the closest relationship for you. Imagine the transformation that could happen in your marriage, in your family, in your friend group. Imagine what Christ's love could do if you let it, if you saw it, if you embraced it, and luxuriate. We're so busy trying to love God that we, we forget that God loves us. What if, what if you just luxuriated in the love of Christ? If you luxuriated in this idea that, that Jesus died and rose again and his spirit dwells in you, that Christ is in you, would the world look different if you spent more time in that space? Would Monday look different if Sunday wasn't the only time we thought about this? What about those things that are coming up, we're going to get to see family, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not. What does that mean for you? What if this posture was, was changed, and what if it changed you? What if you were watching the face of God, and you saw the joy in his jawline, the love in his eyes? You remembered his face again. You walked with God, because God is with you. The promise that was has been restored in Jesus. What if, what if that was you? What would this week look like? What would your life look like? What would your most important relationships look like? Ask. And imagine. And luxuriate.
and the Christ who dwells in you. The one. The one who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Be intentional with your posture this week. A posture of reverence, awareness, and readiness to obey. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for the love that you've shown us in your Son and in our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we are grateful that, that you always keep your promises, that the truth of your word is, is true today and, and yesterday and tomorrow and forever, that, that God is with us and in us, even if we don't open our eyes to see this truth. God, we are grateful. And God, we pray that you'd open the eyes of our heart to see that God is with us, that the love of God overwhelms us, that it is abundant in such a way that it can transform us and all in whom we come in contact with, that this Christmas could be different than any other because it is from the power of the love of Christ in which we show up in the world and it can overwhelm each other, that the church could be filled in different because the love of Christ is overflowing from each one of us and we get to see the love of Christ in each other. So God, we, we pray Paul's prayer who loved you because we love you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that it's at work within us. To him, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.